Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. Presented by the Law Offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with J. Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. And welcome in, everyone, to a live edition of the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, along with Jay Doc, I'm Joe Krause, and, of course, our gracious host for uh, hour number two here on a Saturday night, John Doherty. We'll bring John in uh, in just a second. Jay Doc, a little bit of a different configuration for the broadcast tonight. Uh, normally, uh, we join John from the Jacob Media studio, but tonight we're a little discombobulated. So uh, I'm in Jersey, you're in East Falls, uh, so we'll try and manage the elements that come with those logistics because we do have a great show lined up. We have a very busy show. We're going to cover a lot of ground uh, on this uh, on this hour, uh, and I welcome you in and give you an opportunity to say hello to the live audience. Yeah, it's great to be here, Joe. Uh, in, in the comforts of my own home, it's, you know, it's, uh, so uh, radio's theater of the mind. Like you said, we're all remote, but that's the beauty of radio. It's great to be here. Yep, good stuff. Jay Doc, we'll uh, jump right into uh, and bring in our host, John Doherty, for uh, hour number two. Uh, John, a good Saturday night to you, man. As always, appreciate you being here uh, to do the show. Well, it's always a pleasure to be with you. And I want to start off by taking a second, and I've never done this, but the, the staff, the couple guys that you have working to put this radio show together, they're just really good at what they do, but they're really nice. I mean, the guy that calls me each week to get me on, man, I just, what a, what a gentleman he is. And, you know, great job putting these things together. And uh, another little side business, a good friend of uh, our family and, and the South Philly neighborhood, Joe Beasy has been, uh, he's in the horse business and he's got a, uh, he's a part owner of uh, Mo Donegal who just won the Belmont. So congratulations, Joe. I know his dad, who uh, was a horse guy, he was up in the sky saying that's a way to go, buddy, and he was cheering that horse around the Belmont sidetrack there, you know. So a lot of fun today. Uh, I'm hoping we got a – I know we got three or four issues we want to bounce off, you know, tonight, so I'm, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, no, sounds good, John, and we do have a great lineup, as you said, coming up after uh, the opening uh, break here in the first half hour. Uh, Sean Duff, who is the project manager for Carr and Duff. Uh, Carr and Duff is one of the largest union electrical contractors in the state. Uh, we'll bring Sean in. We're going to get have an interesting conversation with him. Um, he's an expert on electric vehicles, so we'll uh, talk with Sean. Uh, Mike Driscoll will finish up the show for us a little bit later on. We'll bring Mike in uh, somewhere around 747. Um, and then we hope to have Mike Barnes with us at 7.33 uh, tonight. There's just so uh, many things happening um, that IATSE is building, and it's so great, as you know, to uh, be able to see uh, that union back to work in full force, including what they say was a spectacular show um, at Lincoln Financial Field earlier in the week, even though the 
rendition of Fly Eagles Fly, uh, maybe late, maybe late an egg in the city, um, but the event was put on soup to nuts, and Mike Barnes and his team, as you know, John, are just spectacular. I do a good job. Michael's good people, everybody that works for him, and the guys he has in that business are as good as there is in that industry. Hey, two things I want to cover before we get into the break and then uh, and then we get started. Um, one, I wanted to um, do a quick follow-up with you on our conversation that we had on last week's show. It was a spirited conversation. It was a um, informational conversation, um, you know, and some of the fallout that continues in the city um, – uh, resulted in um, Mayor Kenny pushing out an anti-violence plan. Um, so I just want to get some follow-up. You know, sometimes when you do a show like that and you sign off at the top of the hour, um, you don't get a chance to rehash the, the topic um, and the conversation. So just a couple of minutes to John, if you don't mind, on, on either, either your thoughts on Mayor Kenny's anti-violence plan or just an overall from coming out of last week's show. Well, I actually had a couple conversations with the mayor this week. And uh, one, he uh, basically said he was going to be a little bit more aggressive than he's been. And uh, if you heard his, you know, some of the things that he said after South Street, you know, which was just can't happen. And uh, he was going to be on the show this week, but he already had two or three commitments. He will be on, from what I understand, next week with us to talk guns and reactions and things like that. Uh, in Philadelphia. You know, I, it, I don't think it's a bad thing that uh, him and the district attorney, you know, started to disagree a little bit. I also don't think it's a bad thing that he basically said, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, it, it doesn't seem to be enough, of course, when people get, anybody gets killed, but, you know, a series of people. But he said, this is what we're doing. And I was kind of surprised. He, he basically stood up and said that, hey, the police could not have done more than what they did at that time. And that it was just out of control. And, you know, the one point he did make, and he said, you know, years ago, you know, that situation on South Street without a gun would have been a fistfight. And, you know, I know growing up in the neighborhood I did, you know, fistfights seemed to be a weekend affair. And uh, nobody ever pulled a gun. And there just would have been a winner or a loser, not five people dead. You know, so, I mean, it's uh, it's terrible. It'll be good to have him on, you know, to get him a little unplugged. He was a little unplugged this week. You know, and it was just general conversation initially, and then we got into some specifics. You know, he always checks in on Silly, but uh, it was it was pretty interesting. I, you know, it was a pretty uh, a little different situation and a little different response than uh, normally I I was expecting. Yeah, we'll look forward to bringing in uh, Mayor Kenny uh, uh, a week from the night. Of course, we're always live on the John Doherty Hour here on Saturday nights on uh, Talk Radio twelve ten. WPHT. One last thing, John, and J-Doc brought this to my attention, and then Frank Keel uh, listed it in our show notes. He does such a great job on the show notes. Uh, the AFL-CIO National Convention rolls into uh, the convention center. Um, you know, the big names, the big stars uh, will be um, coming through. Um, talk to me about that. You... Um, were involved, I assume, in 
bringing the AFL-CIO National Convention into Philadelphia or helping bridge that conversation? How did it work, and, and, and where's the anticipation level about it being right here in Philadelphia? Well, it's, it's unbelievable that it's in Philadelphia, and yeah, uh, we so. were more than involved. We were more than involved, and, uh, you know, all the heavy hitters are in town. You know, I talked to Sean McGarvey, who's the head of the National Building Trades, and Sean's going to be in town. Mike Monroe's going to be with Mike uh, with him. Both of them I touched base with this week. Uh, Terry O'Sullivan I saw today, you know, walking through uh, 16th and race. I was up there with Celia Song from a distance. They're all staying at the side of Hill mm-hmm. Chevron and all the, the leaders of all the unions. Uh, Lonnie Stevenson, who's the head of the IBEW. Uh, and, of course, the incoming president or acting president right now, but, you know, going to get elected is Liz Shore. And uh, she is a, a dynamic woman. She's she's had a voice in the labor movement for years. She comes from the IBW. And uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, and uh, hoping that his soul's rested in peace. But Richie Trumpka, who, who's our dear friend, you know, uh, Liz was a big ally and we had something in common, both all Richie, Liz and myself, a gentleman by the name of Ed Hill, who was not only the international president of uh, the IBW for years, but a significant player in the labor movement across this country. And, you know, he was significant in helping Obama get elected, but he was more important in trying to, you know, change some of the the anti-union policies. And, you know, uh, so I've known Liz a long time and, and it's a great honor to have her you know, get sworn in, win an election. The election, I think, is tomorrow or Sunday, and uh, she gets sworn in. That would be great that that happens in Philadelphia. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, Lonnie Stevenson, again, is uh, my understanding is he'll probably be introducing her for the vote. Uh, just it's, it's, it's a great day in Philly. Now, you talked about, you know, our role. Well, I'll tell you it was significant, and most people know that, you know, our good friend John McNichol, basically had a uh, target on this convention. And this convention was looking at a lot of places. The obvious right off the bat are always Miami and New York. You know, and New York was putting a lot of pressure on to get this convention. Uh, but then out of the clear blue, the West Coast popped up in San Diego. And if you remember, Richie mentioned it, you know, in, in our conversations we were having, what am I off it was on, on the radio or off the radio. But uh, Richie talked about, the dinner that him, myself, a couple of his people uh, had at the prime rib. And that was the night that I, you know, I went hard after this convention. And one of the things that we talked about now, it had the blessing of uh, uh, Ricky and uh, Frank Snyder and Rick Bloomingdale and them guys. It had the blessing, of course, of Pat Eiding and the local AFL-CIO. And, you know, uh, the, the board at the convention center was real hard after, especially when you had people like Michael Barnes and Ryan Boyer were involved with the lobby of it. But I got them to dinner that night, and we were talking about a lot of issues. But the whole dinner was revolved around trying to bring a convention to Philadelphia. And he was telling me that, you know, it just had a lot of people that were looking to go to, you know, basically what would have been a more high-profile place. But the key in conversation with him that night and it was a long dinner, longer than I'm usually accustomed to. And most people will tell you that I normally don't eat when I go to dinner. I'll pick on bread and drink 20 iced teas. Uh, but that night I ate. Uh, there were a series of people there. Uh, we wound up talking about it. And the key selling point 
was not only was the convention center 100% union, the installation was going to be done quickly, and everything in the building was 100% union, but the market share that the unions have in Philadelphia. You know, and a lot of times people play it against us, but in this case, it was probably the, the piece to close the deal. And, you know, of course, Richie was a big ally, and, you know, we'll be deeply missed. And, you know, I got information late that they're having a little, you know, uh, ceremony, uh, you know, tribute to him tonight uh, inside, the, you know, for the delegates. But uh, whatever they're doing isn't enough. You know, I mean, you know, he, he, he took us from, you know, what most people would consider back rooms and bars and put us in boardrooms. And uh, he, did a, he did a great job. And he also delivered the final say on, you know, coming here. And, you know, Liz Schuller also was a big fan of Philadelphia and the convention center. And, you know, and John McNichol and his team did a great job. It's a big deal. you got every one of these labor leaders who will be in Philadelphia for a few days. And there'll be a lot of them. And they're all decision makers. So they all can bring their individual, you know. And people think that, well, it's every five years you get a shot at some convention. No. Unions are big business. And they have a lot of decisions to make. And they have a lot of trust funds. They have billion-dollar funds. They have billion-dollar committees. They have safety committees. You know, they have political committees. And to have them popping in out of Philadelphia on a regular basis is big money. You know, they want union uh, places to eat at. They, they want places where they can buy clothes that are union-made. I mean, you know, they don't have a problem spending money because they make good money. And it's just a pleasure to have them in town. And, you know, and I, I, again, I'm pretty much focused in on, you know, the building trades and the IBW. That's where I, you know, I, I live my life. But, you know, you have people like Wendell Young and the food and commercial workers and guys like that who have been very active in the AFL-CIO. And it's good to have their leadership in town. And there's a couple of guys that I've, you know, I got a chance to, you know, get to know over the years. And I'm, and I've already had two or three of them call me. Actually, I supplied one with my bringing his dog, and I supplied one with a dog walker already. So, so anybody that uh, these guys are in town for not only good business but a good time. Yeah, no good stuff, uh, John Doherty. It's the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. By the way, as we go to the break, J-Doc will join us after the break. He's not off tonight. He is uh, remote tonight and not in the Jacob Media studio. Uh, So J-Doc will join us here coming up out of the break. We are efforting uh, media credentials uh, for the convention center. Uh, J-Doc's num- name on the list has not helped us right now uh, in, in having success. So we continue uh, to work on that. We'll have that conversation offline. We'll take our first commercial break. This is John Doherty Hour. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW Local 1776, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, DC 21. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here live on The Labor Show, this is the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. J-Doc, I bounce it over to you, brother, so we can jump into our conversation. Sean Duff uh, is going to join us. Um, All over to you, my friend. Yeah, so, I mean, anybody who's, you know, reading a newspaper or watching TV or doing anything uh, in our world these days has heard of uh, electric, uh, electric vehicles uh, and, and, and so much going on uh, as we transition 
um, it, in, into the renewable uh, stage of things, uh, which is going to take a long time. And as I started off, I'd say uh, working together is the most important thing. And the big, uh, you know, the, the big thing is electric cars. Uh, happy to bring Sean Duff in. Uh, he's a project manager for Car and Duff, one of the largest union electrical contractors in the state. Uh, and he's an expert in the electrical vehicle, electric vehicle industry. Um, Sean, how are you? Welcome to the broadcast, my friend. Thank you all for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, and if you will, uh, we'll get right down to it. Tell us, obviously, about uh, Car and Duff's involvement in, in uh, obviously, the rapidly approaching reality of, of uh, the world of electric vehicles. Yeah, thank you. So we have um, several projects going on uh, currently where we're working um, in the private sector, the car dealerships, uh, commercial facilities, um, residential parking garages, and we're installing, uh, you know, several different types of electrical vehicle chargers. Um, so that's, you know, really picked up in the last year or so for us. Now, um, having said that, um, how much federal help for EV infrastructure can PA expect from uh, uh, President Biden's Build Back Better plan, and when? So in the Biden infrastructure plan, they have 100 and 72 million slated for Pennsylvania. Um, so it's definitely going to be um, a, a large investment in the state's electrical vehicle charging station program. And, you know, expectations are that we're going to start seeing uh, the Department of Transportation and other agencies put this out later this year and into next year. So start, start to have those projects roll out. And so let, I'm going to go to John Doherty because, John, uh, obviously, you know, a lot going on with electric vehicles and uh, the IBEW is, is uh, at the forefront. But um, one of the things that, and Krause and I have been talking about this issue on our Labor and Energy show, is making, making uh, you know, all the resources necessary to build, uh, you know, and, and, and the transition uh, into the electrical, electric vehicles in the United States. Currently, a lot, you know, almost 90 percent, if not even more, is being built overseas, including the mining of, of all those things. Talk about that. And, and, and as, as things transition, um, you know, the, 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 the desire to also, you know, get everything manufactured in the United States. Well, first of all, thanks, Sean. I, uh, you know, I've been through in my lifetime my very first meeting was with uh, the legendary Mr. Duff. Uh, he sat me down and said, hey, guys, this is what you should be doing. That was way back in 1993. You know, and, uh, you know, I later went through the whole family. Uh, young Bobby was uh, the, the person who I probably had the most interaction with. But the Carr and Duff family has not only grown, but they've grown with the times. They're really good. Uh, and you said that the IBW, you know, primarily in this case, Local 98, has a little bit or a little role in the car charging business. No, we got the whole role. It's electric car chargers. The, the process to put one in place, it's like a mini motor control center. It's a significant piece. Uh, these things can be, if not installed properly, okay, can not only hurt somebody but kill somebody. Okay, they have to be done quickly. 
they have to be done in, in, in most cases they're outdoors so they have to be done in a weather safe type of installation and car and buff as well as many other contractors but car and buff has a big chunk of this business right now and we're glad to see and that's one of the reasons we have sean on tonight but sean why don't you do us a favor and you know without really complicating and i know that this isn't something you do every week but take your time and just real quickly, and, and, you know, just as if you were talking to, you know, around the, the boardroom, just tell us what goes in a, a car, you know, a car charging station. People think you just snap it down and plug your car in, but they are legitimately big pieces of electricity behind it. Right. No, thank you for that, John. I appreciate the uh, sentiments. Um, yeah, so some of the chargers that we're dealing with are on the larger side, level two, level three. Um in the commercial space, these things are taken up, you know, roughly three by three by up to five, six feet tall. So they require a foundation around them. They're, they're heavy units. Um, we also put safety bollards around them for protecting vehicles from the chargers. You know, like John said, safety is paramount in all electrical installations, but especially with something that, you know, public are going to be touching on a frequent uh, basis. Um, so it's not something that you just put on a wall. You know, we look into the design and where the best locations are for um, <clears throat> for usage. And a lot of the chargers, on top of just the electrical requirements, also need to be connected to communications network. So when we're helping a customer design where they should go, we're also taking into consideration, uh, you know, teledata requirements, either connecting directly to a cellular network or connecting to a, a network within that facility. So that's another component of it that sometimes is missed, you know, when they're when they're just thinking, hey, let's put this out here. But you really need to find the right location for it with all those components. Um, so, Sean Duff is joining us. Yep. Sean Duff joining us here on the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Sean is a project manager for Carr and Duff. Uh, one, I love this statement. One of the largest union electrical contractors uh, in the state of PA. Sean, let me ask you if you have any sort of realistic timeline or guess to just how long it will take to continue to do this installation right now it seems like the locations and the list may be endless which is good for you by for the sure. way i guess yeah it's, it's certainly going to be a, it's an in-demand product that's only going to grow in demand um we just continue to see it you know getting more popular as more vehicles come on come online and are provided by the different manufacturers um you see a lot of the different um, you know, vehicle manufacturers, Cadillac, Mazda, they're starting to really um, change over their their products into electrical vehicles. So it's just going to continue to grow. Uh, uh, Sean, uh, what are the challenges um, that you see as, as uh, you know, in, in, in uh, you know, just the, the EV infrastructure rollout? That's a great question. So um, I'll just speak to, you know, the private sector commercial space. When we get hey, Sean, that's coming from an iron worker, too, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we get brought in, uh, you know, to these potential customers or customers, existing customers. They tell us what they want to do. And, you know, typically it's, it's more than one. It's normally three, four, five chargers. 
I'm just thinking specifically of a car dealership. Um, and they have, you know, they have existing capacity issues. You know, their facilities were built for, you know, what they were expected to have for their current equipment that's there. So a lot of times adding that quantity of chargers turns into really almost a service upgrade. Um, so we have to, we have to look at that situation. Sometimes we'll come in um, on the front end as well and do like meter studies where we'll hook up uh, meters and, you know, run them for a month just to see what their actual load is. Um, and, you know, these are things that we do without an engineer. Um, as IBW electricians, you know, we're taught how to do uh, these, these kind of load calculations. So, you know, engineers are involved for, for some of the other projects, but these are early stages. A lot of times it's, journeyman wiremen and foremen that are helping, you know, design where these charges are going to go and what the customer's load is. And so, you know, I, I know, I know that having, having said that, um, you recently spent some time with the PA legislator later in, in, in Harrisburg. What, what is their appetite for um, electric vehicle revolution? They, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hot topic out there as well. They're, you know, they're always uh, a key buzzword is jobs, jobs, jobs. So um, there's certainly going to be um, significant amount of uh, workers and union workers that are going to be needed to roll out the program. Um, so for them, I think, you know, they're looking at, you know, moving on from the antiquated ways of gasoline, diesel engines, uh, you know, over, over decades, not going to be anything immediate and, and, you know, having the green energy um, products come online with um, the right amount of infrastructure invested from the state and the federal levels. Hey, I'm glad, I'm glad you caught yourself there because, you know, we have two of our bigger allies, not only in the industry, but on this radio show are Jimmy Snell and John Plant. One's a boiler maker and the other's the, you know, the UA's main guy. And, and the Steamfitters Union, um, they both, you know, have supported, you know, the slow, you know, uh, process in which, you know, we're getting more into, you know, car chargers, electric car chargers, et cetera. But they also, you know, believe that we still, as I do, that there's still, you know, a lot of room for the fossil fuel and even nuclear power down the road. But this is happening. It's coming quick. It, it's It's a big part of any conversation out there about climate control. It's something that, and you've also had President Biden at least three times that I watched publicly state that these car chargers will be installed by union electricians, okay, which is good to know. So let the world know, if you have an interest, if you're a business, how can people get in touch with you, okay, and what, should, and, and what type of organization should be looking, especially with the price of gas being over $5 a gallon? You know, with diesel being high. I mean, you you have you're starting to see big businesses call you. You're starting to see a lot of people call you. So why don't you just you know get yourself a plug, get the company a plug, you know, tell people you know what they should be looking for. If you got 10, 12, 15 trucks right now, you, you know, you, and you're thinking about you know the future, you ought to start looking at you know preparing for it by having chargers in your in your yard now. Hundred percent agree. Jump in, Sean. Um, Tell us, yeah, how, how do you get a hold of you, Sean? So, yeah, uh, Sean Duff, Duff Electric. Uh, we're out of Clinton Valley, PA, right near Willgrove. Uh, we have our websites, www.carduff.com. 
on there you'll find a whole bunch of uh, information about our company. Um, as was stated earlier, you know, we have over 160 union workers in our company, um, over 60 years old, and uh, we're proud to uh, serve the Philadelphia region every day, uh, power and enlighten the communities. Sean Duff joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. Uh, well done and well said and a great way to end the segment. Sean Duff, project manager, Carr and Duff, one of the largest union electrical contractors in the state. Sean, thanks a million, man, for jumping on the John Doherty Hour. Appreciate it, man. Thank, Thank you, Sean. All. Thanks Tell for your time. Bobby and everybody, we said hi, okay? We'll do. Take care. Thank you. All right. Good stuff from Sean Duff. We'll get to a commercial break. On the other side of the break, Mike Barnes will join us. We'll do a quick eight minutes with Mike. Then Mike Driscoll will wrap up the show. This is the John Doherty Hour. This edition of the Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, Steam Fitters Local 420, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 542. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. Hey, we're not pre-recorded. We're live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's the uh, Labor Show, the John Doherty Hour. Uh, Mike Barnes is going to join us for uh, in just a second. We'll bring Mike in. We spent a lot of time um, in the past, John Doherty, talking um, to Mike Barnes. Now we get an opportunity um, to see in full regalia. All of what Mike has been telling us about um, in terms of live events coming fast and furious um, and under the guidance uh, of the stagehands who are just crushing it right now uh, in Philadelphia. Absolutely no doubt. Michael, where you at, buddy? Uh, just left the uh, convention center. Right? They have the AFL-CIO convention over there. He had a, a, a tribute to Rich Trumpka tonight, so we stopped over there to to participate with that. Lots going on, Mike. I mean, you know what's fantastic about uh, about this this conversation? Um, it, it, you know, well, about a year, year and a half back, it was a tough conversation. And I think about everything you guys did for your members and how much you engaged politically, even when the times are extremely tough. Must feel fantastic right now with everything going on. Uh, and and uh, and if you would also touch base on what's going, give us an update on on how fabulous uh, the landscape is right now. You mentioned the AFL CIO convention here in Philly. Um, just just a, a great time these days. So so Joe, before I before I get there, I do want to thank you, Johnny, everybody in in, in, the, in the labor community that that helped carry us through that eighteen month turn uh, turn of events. I mean, it was it was unprecedented. No one could expect it. No one could prepare for it. Uh, it was a very strange time, but it was it was interesting because we knew it was going to end. Right? We 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 moved the date a few times, but it was one of those situations where our business was out of business but only for a period of time. And we knew once that period of time ended that the uh, employers, the acts and the industry would need to recoup the money. So while we were, while we were waiting for it to start, we were also preparing for it to start. And uh, as a result of that in Philly, we're in pretty good shape as far as the staffing levels and the ability to, uh, you know, to sustain the industry right now. Yeah. And and, and I just, go ahead, John. 
yeah, there's there's a reason why, you know, the the IATSE International has, you know, asked Michael to come on board and has given him such a significant role. I said for years, you know, he's been, you know, at the forefront of the union movement when it comes to the hospitality industry and just not in his hospital in his part of the hospitality industry. He's always spoke for all the workers. He's done a great job. He's at the forefront of everything. He said that, you know, he just had to survive. And, you know, that was a big if. And uh, he knew that it would blow open. He also know, knew that, you know, the partners like Live Nation and people like that, the minute they had an opportunity to go to work, they would go to work. So he's done, he's done a great job. You know, I don't want to sound redundant. You know, Mike, why don't you just tell us a little bit of some of the, the things you have going? You got everybody, you know, I just from Beyonce to Bruce Springsteen both announced they're doing new albums and new tours. You got people all over the place. You had Coldplay in town this week that was knocked out. You got all kind of, you know, rock and roll and rap and you name it are, are back in play. And you guys it, are at the it, forefront of it. Yeah. It's literally, it's, it's insanity. So, you know, everybody's out of work for 18 months, including the acts. So all the, all the acts that were postponed from 19, you know, they wanted to go back and they, re- they, they didn't, there was 85% of the tickets we were told uh, were not returned. People sat on their tickets and, and waited till the shows come back. So they had a, they had to schedule all those shows and then they had the 20 and 21 season on top. So you're looking at, probably 125 to 130% employment in the uh, rock and roll industry. At least we had Coldplay uh, this week. We have Chesney coming in. You have uh, uh, Ramstead, which is the big German tour, one of the biggest outdoor shows uh, going out there. I was up in Lidditz last week. Uh, I was out with the guys from Def Leppard and uh, Motley Crue that will be coming through here in August. Uh, Billy Joel. These are all the stadium shows, but you got to remember too, John, you got the BB&T, which has its normal 40 to 45 shows, and now Jeff Gordon and Live Nation took over uh, the Man Music Center, and they're doing a 40 to 45 show season at the Man. They just did Roots last week, which was a tremendous success out there. So you put all that together, and then you have the whole insatiable appetite for streaming that that just it just doesn't seem like there's a a top end. We just got done doing hustle. I'm looking at my social media. Everybody's raving about the movie. So it was a great movie kind of reference to Sixers had Adam Sandler in there, but we have a lot of stuff that's coming in. Uh, it's good. People are back to work. Benefits are starting to get back in place. Uh, the convention center has 19 shows booked. Everything's going swell down there. And uh, Philadelphia's back in business. Mike, what did you learn from the, uh, two minutes, know, from, boys, from two minutes, 18 months, and, and doing and, 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 and being able to stick through it, stick by your members, um, and, and, and come out the other side. It, it would very shortly is there's there's more than one way to help people in money, and that's just just being the family that we are in the union and the mental health aspect that we were able to provide uh, was so essential and still is essential because there's still there's still some some. Uh, PSTD from that whole thing happening. People are still having problems, uh, and that's going to be ongoing. So I did learn that, you know, it's not just about money. It's about the whole organization and supporting each other throughout these these good times and bad times. Mike Barnes joining us here tonight on the John Doherty Hour. Michael, the executive vice president of IOTSE. What an update. I don't think there's an end in sight, uh, Michael. It doesn't appear to be. 2026, when we do our 250th anniversary, we're heading towards a peak. 
Go ahead, John. So can I wrap up real quick, Michael? Yep. Two things. Michael, you were you were at the Richie, uh, you know, ceremony. Uh, we talked about, you know, the role that he had, and, and you were right by my side. You know, people don't realize how we get these conventions to come to Philly and how we delivered that and how the fact that the market share that we have was what really swung Richie from, you know, coming back yep. from San Diego, which there was a big push. And I also mentioned that, uh, you know, the fact that everything we did and the cooperation that we had, and the cooperation came true in the last week or so, where I, I don't know if it's, it's common knowledge yet, but it looks like there might be an extension of the agreement at the convention center, which would keep the place running. You know, this is we've, we've been saying for at least 14 years that every seven years this industry, you know, reevaluates itself. So you have to have long-term contracts. And Michael and Ryan and Brian Burrows and, and Mark Lynch and all them guys have been at the forefront of making sure this hospitality industry stays consistent and competitive down at the Philadelphia Convention Center. And you also mentioned the name Jeff Gordon. Don't underestimate the role that that guy has. He's a friend of Philadelphia. He's a friend of uh, the union movement. He's been a friend of Michael. He's a good friend of Michael Barnes, and I consider him a friend. And anytime we're able to help them, you know, we do. Because people say, well, why do you give a guy a break? Or why do you give us? Because that guy gives us breaks. He gives us opportunity to go to work. And Michael said, you heard what Michael said, the benefits are just getting flushed now. Okay? So you go 18 months without any contributions, you got to struggle to keep health care. And health care was significant. And people like Jeff Gordon and Michael Barnes understand that. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Thank, and, again, I'll, I'll close by just saying thank you guys for all the support that you provided to IATSE during this trouble in times. Yep. Our pleasure. Yes, sir. Michael Barnes here tonight on the John Doherty Hour. I don't know whether Michael can sing or not, but he's a rock star. Well done, uh, Michael Barnes. Uh, appreciate you coming on the John Doherty Hour. We'll get to a quick commercial break. On the other side, newly sworn in Philadelphia City Councilman Mike Driscoll wraps up the show. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Ironworkers Local 401, Boilermakers Local 13, Plumbers Local 690, Roofers Local 30, and IBEW Local 98. Choose a Local 98 contractor. And back here live on the John Doherty Hour, hour number two of The Labor Show with J-Doc and Krause. City newly sworn in, Philadelphia City Councilman Mike Driscoll uh, joins us to wrap up the show tonight. And I'm so glad, Mike, that uh, we're able to get you on for uh, a couple of minutes here live on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And a big shout out and a big thank you to you for uh, your continued support uh, of the program, of the platform, of the Labor Show and of the Labor Community. And congratulations, uh, happy, Mike. Hey, Joe, 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 and John, happy to be on with you guys. So, well, Michael, Labor uh, you know, has another funding council right now. Absolutely. And we know, uh, obviously, this has been a big week for you. Uh, talk about it, and, and, and uh, you know, we're, we're all ecstatic about it, of course. Yeah, it was a lot of mixed emotions this week. I gave my farewell speech in, in Harrisburg. Uh, to my colleagues up there for many years. And uh, yesterday at 2 p.m. in City Hall, Justice Doherty and uh, and uh, a few other judges uh, swore me in as a member of City Council. I had my, my 98-year-old dad there with me, and I had my, my entire family there and my supporters, and just a wonderful day. And then 
less than 15 minutes ago, the Phillies won nine in a row. So I, I'm, I'm on cloud nine. <laughs> awesome, huh, Johnny Doc? Yeah, Michael. Listen, Michael's a great guy, and I was going to jump in if he didn't mention his dad. You know, I'm, I'm somebody who has, you know, spent most of my life traveling with my father and my father-in-law, even to the point where people said, man, don't you have any friends your own age? Because I'm always with them. Michael's dad has always been with him. I know his dad's ecstatic. You know, Michael's been successful, and I, he's going to be a great city council. And we had Bobby Heenan there, you know, and now with Bobby not there, Michael's going to assume a lot of, you know, automatically, but historically, he's been a great ally. In fact, Michael's unique because he's one of the few guys that is able to juggle not only the, 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 the police and firefighters as well as the Philadelphia building trades and a lot of the more liberal unions. Michael transcends them all. You know, you heard what the mayor said when he got swore in. The mayor said he doesn't know anybody, you know, that doesn't like Mike Driscoll, that doesn't think he's a good guy. But the other key thing that was mentioned by the council president yesterday is that Michael decided to jump in right now before the budget season and, and probably the worst week we've had as, as pertains to crime in years. And Michael jumped right in. And that's Mike Driscoll. He's quiet but effective. And, and John, I have to com- you know, compliment you. You've been such an influence on my career in a positive way. Um, I, you know, I'll always be grateful for you, and I, I wouldn't be in city council right now without you. Mike, when you well, jump into the hot seat at a time that when you decided – uh, to do it, and I know we don't have a lot of time left in, in, in this show to talk about it. We'll do it on a future show. Um, but what's your, what's your biggest or, or, or your main priority that you want to get done yesterday? So, look, I, we, we all know we have some issues to be dealt with. We have a, a, a t- tremendous poverty in the city. We have a t- terrible gun violence. These ATVs driving up and down our streets are driving me nuts. Uh, we're still recovering from the pandemic, but as I heard Mike Barnes explain, there's a lot of positive uh, things coming to Philadelphia in these next couple of years. And I absolutely, I'm an optimistic guy. I know we have some short-term problems, but I think we have a long-term uh, good thing happening here in Philadelphia. This is the greatest city in America. This is the birthplace of democracy. Uh, I absolutely believe in the next two to three years, this city is going to be the Roaring Twenties again. Well, great stuff. As Jay doc said and as John said, um, Mike Driscoll, congrats to you um, on your recent success, on your previous success, and where you will help lead uh, this city. Great stuff, man. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. All right. Good stuff He's from Mike Driscoll. Yep. Johnny Doc, I left you 45 seconds to say goodbye, my friend. Yeah, I just want to. He's a better dad than he is politician. Okay, great guy. Has always been a great dad. Great family man. And then I just want to end with a big happy birthday to my girlfriend, Elaine Hill Doherty. Oh, you know her, Joe? I know her. Thank you so much, son. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's how, about, how, how about and with you singing happy birthday to your wife on the air? Go ahead, oh J-Doc. You, you, can't, you can't get us into the convention center for a media credential. Perhaps you can take the show out to the close by singing happy birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. Didn't I just say happy birthday to my wife and tell her I love her? And uh, I'm, I'm so happy for her. And, and obviously, I'm the luckiest guy in the city. So thank you, John. Thank, you don't want me singing happy birthday, guys. Yeah, we're hey J Doc, we're out of time anyway, brother. Appreciate you. Man. <laughs> Thank you, 
That's going to do it for the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of Elaine Doherty, on behalf of J-Doc, and of course our gracious host, John Doherty. And on behalf of Sean, our producer back in the studio. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody.